Unfucked, the podcast that is just... I don't know. I don't know a better way to say it anymore. I'm getting we redundant. We continue to bring sunshine <laughs> to the world, I'll tell you. I'm getting really redundant. Do. I'm getting so redundant in my intros. I'm trying to be more creative. Uh, this is a part two episode. Uh, that's uh, Laugh. I'm Gunner. Uh, we started talking about this article from uh, it's The Conversation is the new source. And the headline, Killer Robots Will Be Nothing Like the Movies Show. Here's where the real threats lie. And we've just kind of been, we kind of just over our past 30 minutes kind of just grazed it, really. Um, yeah, really. I felt like we could talk about this for, you know, a long time yeah. um, and still have nowhere near covered the topic. I was thinking after our last episode, too, how many lists do you think we're on now? Do you think our names are flashing in databases? But someone will figure this out. Probably by our biometric data of our voices would probably be what happens. So it just know, occurred to me. Sad part about it. We're um, operating off my IP address right now, so that's I, right. I, I might well, we will get tracked. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. so someone will find us. Yeah. Um, the and, truth and, is, uh, that's not good either. So, yeah. uh, but so while we were on our our, our break, Gunner, I I was trying to just. Well, you know, facts and figures are always good way to kind of rationalize this this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you some idea uh, about why the world is completely fucked and don't even really understand it. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, recently in Ukraine, if you paid attention, it's come to light that, that the Iranians have sent these these. What, we refer to as kamikaze drones, such they they call them Shahid 136 is what the Iranian military refers to them as. They were used to attack uh, oil fields in Saudi Arabia. They were used in Yemen to back an insurgency to defeat uh, a more conventional military force that was backed by the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. Um, Now they're being used to cripple the Ukrainian power grid um, and, you know, and, and are, it's being very effective, right? Um, yeah. What you've seen is Vladimir Putin has decided since I can't roll out an army that does not get destroyed by NATO weaponry, I'm going to take these kamikaze drones and I'm going to freeze to death the people of Ukraine over this winter. Like literally people are going to be living by fireside because you're not going to have power mm. because of, of, you know, what, what, what's happening with this power grid being just pulverized by these, these what's called what they're referring to in the military as kamikaze drones, because basically they're one trip drones, right? Yeah. They're not, they're designed to fly to a GPS coordinate and, and strike and just go there and they die to that point and they hit the ground, they blow up, right? That's, that's what they do. <laughs> we're talking about billionaires and what they can buy. Um, One billion dollars will buy you fifty thousand kamikaze drones. Oh my god! They cost twenty thousand dollars a piece U.S. to manufacture the Shahid One Thirty Six. Now, could you imagine if a billionaire? Someone would say the tech savviness of an Elon Musk decided that he would like to mass produce something like that. You think his cost would 
be $20,000. I don't. No, I don't. So uh, let's say that, you know, uh, Elon could do what Elon does. and He could figure out how to get robots to build that shit for one quarter of the prize. Well, that would mean that he had 200000 for his billion dollars, plus an assembly line that could continue to spit them out, right? Yeah. So, yes, terrifying is a good way to put it, because uh, do you think that if Russia can, you know, can cripple Ukraine's power grid, that Elon Musk can cripple any power grid? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and it sounds like entire states um, as well. They get triple countries, no doubt. Yeah. Whatsoever. And, and that's the part that's terrifying is that, uh, you know, one malevolent actor sets up one drone manufacturing army manufactured by other drones, and we're living in Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so that's, that's just one point. You know, the U.S. has come up with something, so their own version of kamikaze drones, you know, switchblades with two different degrees. One's anti-vehicle, one's anti-personnel. But, I mean, honest to God, they cost way, way more because of the U.S. military infrastructure and our profiteering with, you know, weapons manufacturers. But a weapon of that simplicity <laughs> made even probably less expensively than, you know, the Shahid-136 if someone were committed to doing it. And and that's crazy because, you know, those things are, you know. Well, and that's how much it costs today. That's scary, too. I mean, a drone right. 10 years ago um, Unheard of. was a, an, an incredible price. I mean, I, I can go out to Best Buy right now and get a drone. I, I hope, right. and 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 that's happening to some. You know, there's all kinds of footage on the internet right now. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this to a friend a couple of years ago, and we may have talked about one of the shows. But Nagorno Karabakh, which is for those who are geographically challenged, it is a it is a contested enclave of dirt in between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Okay. They, there have been multiple wars fought over over the last couple hundred years, and it always been a stalemate. And then Azerbaijan, which has a much smaller military than Armenia, Armenia is backed by the Russians, Azerbaijan backed by Turkey. There was a war shortly before the Ukraine war that the world seems to have forgotten. And in that war, Azerbaijan had the backing of the Turkish military and they had kamikaze drones and the what they call the Bakrater 2s, which are the drones that Ukraine has used pretty effectively early on in the war against Russian weapon systems. Um, the Bakrater 2s are $2 million a piece. And so you know, that billionaire, then they're reusable. Um, it, it typically take anti-aircraft missiles to bring down a back raider. Um, but, but that same billion dollars gets you 500 of those, right, that they can fly and fly and fly again as long as they're not shot down, right? They can keep delivering weapons to targets, right? They, so they lurk overhead, and they do two things. 
they laser tag targets for kamikaze drones and they fire anti-armor, anti-larger missiles. Um, they, they actually fire the Hellfire missile that our Apache helicopters carry right. and do carry. So they fire Hellfire missiles, which are uh, precision-guided missiles that are what we call fire and forget, which means that the system identifies a target with a laser, the missile locks to that laser signature, and it fires and goes to that target and tracks it because that laser picks up the target with its own laser, and it goes and follows that target and hits it. And so the, the, the drone can look for the next target to fire the next missile. So the Bach Raiders were effective because they put a laser for the kamikaze drones to hit, and then they could fire on heavier targets with their own hellfires. The effect of that drone war was that all the armor, all the artillery, and all the mechanized units or vehicles, all the, all the, they ceased to exist for Armenia hmm. in about three days. Wow. And then, <laughs> then it got really interesting because then what happened is those drones started to target anywhere there was a group of five or more troops. And so you'd have a, the Bach Raiders flying at such a height, troops couldn't see or hear them. And they would send the drones and suicide drones to the foxhole or the dugout or the tent or the command center, wherever there was a group of soldiers. And so there was plenty of camera footage floating around that on some of the lesser known sites, you know, one I remember very well is a group of uh, Armenian soldiers with a map spread out on the hood of a, a hood of a truck, making a plan about where they were going to go. And then they weren't. And then they, well, then they were going to, to see the Lord. Yeah, uh, they, they, and then they were, uh, they went to see uh, Jesus, as my EMT friends used to say about folks that had sudden violent ends. Um, and, and so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, at one moment, they're looking at a map about where they're going to go to fight. The next minute, they're looking at a map about how to get to see St. Peter, right? You, you know, um, that's interesting, too, because you said five or more soldiers. So it also incentivizes other armies not to be together, which is a, I, I, to me, seems like it would be a psychological warfare tool. Um, well, what happens is, is that, you know, what most people understand about modern warfare today it, it's it, it it I don't want to say that there's not me shooting at you over there, but let's just say that that is not primary anymore. Mm -hmm. Most infantry units, and and you think about a a U.S. infantry unit or even a SEAL team with five or six operators, right? Through satellite communications and, and the technology they have access to, it isn't the gun slung over their shoulder that makes the difference. It's the, the laser scope that lights up the target for, you know, 
a jet to drop a bomb on or a missile to be delivered to. It is the power to bring down, to rain hell on someone versus the power to pull the trigger and eliminate someone, right? It's a whole different story. So the idea of massing armies, all that is is a recipe to see a bunch of people die. Right. That's effectively that's the that's what's happened in Ukraine. Right. Ukraine has a lot of soldiers, but the way they have inflicted such massive losses on Russia is small groups using technology versus massing massive amounts of soldiers to sit 500 yards apart and pot shot each other. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Russia's we, fighting with World War II styles and technologies, and Ukraine is fighting the 21st century war, and the old dudes are not doing too well. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's almost guerrilla. Am I in, incorrect to assume that some guerrilla? If you look back at the early days of when the Russians' thrust towards Kiev was blunted in the outskirts of Kiev, 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 how redneck you are. Um, I say Kiev. Really, the small groups with javelin, anti-tank weapons, and and other anti-armor weapons, they really were the difference, right? They, they, They made it impossible. Like a tank column getting on a highway and going down a road, was just like target soup, right? Mm-hmm. You shoot the one in the front, you shoot the one in the back, you block the rest of them in, and then you just sit there and kill them all off. And and it's like a it was 12 or 15 dudes versus what a couple hundred dudes in tanks. But the couple hundred dudes in tanks, they all die as soon as the tank gets hit because the Russian armor is designed with a flaw. They call it the pop top or the jack in the box where you shoot the Russian armor and the ammunition's in the turret, so when that explodes, it's instant death for the three crew members. Oh God! And then the you know, and then the anti-troop or, or armor is the same thing. You know, the round penetrates the armor into the troop carrier and explodes inside the troop carrier. So you get a jello soup of what I used was to be about people. to say. What that must look like—that has just got to be a sludge of humanity. Um, yeah, well, then it catches fire and burns up, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, if you if it were a cartoon, well, thank you would God, the back door open and a bunch of jello would ooze out. Basically. I do feel bad. I know it's not what we're talking about, but I feel bad for the Russian troops. I don't feel bad for the Russian leadership, but I feel bad for people. No, no, no. If, if the Russian leadership had to get in one of those tanks and roll across the border, that war would have been two minutes long. I mean, yeah. they first of all, they'd have never done it. Just like everyone else in power, they're always eager to send someone else's children to die. Yeah. Never their own, right? Um, so that's the other issue. And so the problem with this drone army is, is, as you can see, Russia's been getting the shit kicked out of it on the traditional battlefield. And now they come in with these drones and they're they're doing and they actually you know, have some Iranian advisors there fighting with them, using these drones for them. But basically what they do is, is because these drones are small and they're loud, sometimes they can be shot down by, you know, small arms even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you can 
In other words, someone with a good rifle, and you know, probably not an automatic weapon, but probably semi-automatic would be better, but who knows? Um, you know, they can actually shoot some of these things down to that small. The problem is they don't care. You know, if you send a hundred and twenty get through, but each of those twenty hit a power plant or a transforming transformer station, guess what? You've you've cut off lights to thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, depending on which ones you hit, right? Right. And, and the difference uh, as far as militarizing um, is when you build a bunch of helicopters, you kind of have to worry about the soldiers surviving. You don't have to worry about a drone surviving. Also, yeah, you cost- don't. You don't it's, that's the whole point. It's like that's what's terrifying about this idea of, of autonomous, independently thinking, independently acting, independently targeting drones because – where they are with this is literally that it, it's fire and forget. They, they program these things for their targets. They shoot them off these racks. They're gone, and they don't have to think about them again. They either hit or they don't hit. They just load the next group, program their targets, and send them out. And so even if you had the most modern anti-aircraft systems in the world, what about when somebody sends a thousand of these at a time? Yeah. I mean, even if you, if you want to, the way the math works on that is you determine your loss rate for a heavily defended area. Okay, these, these air defenses can kill this many. They can kill whatever 100 in one immediate attack. Send 105. Five get through. Your target's destroyed. It don't make a fuck to you, right? Yeah. And, and so my point being is, it's like it, it's drones don't sleep, drones don't get tired, drones don't have consciences, drums don't drones don't hesitate, drums drones just do what they're programmed to do. Yeah. And, and so when you have people who have hundreds of billions of dollars then they have the ability to create a drone army that could threaten almost any world's military. Yeah. Boy, it's just Hunger Games. Or, or maybe it's something... Um, More it, sinister. Yeah. So there, to me, and I... I, I try to be really careful on this podcast because I listened back to some of our f- first ones and it sounded like I was trying to sound like an ec- expert. And I don't, I don't want to come across to the audience that way. I'm just asking, asking questions that come across my mind. So, no, laugh. You are the expert. You've done the research. You're a lawyer. I'm a radio DJ. So, you know, <laughs> I just want the audience to know I have no, I, I, I do not see myself as any sort of expert. But uh, there's got to be some correlation, I would think, to like really medieval serfdom to where people really did owe their allegiance to the most powerful person close to them. It, it, can, right. can you can you see that illustration? Am I off base? I don't think you're off base. Um, you know, it, 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 it's here's what's scary about it is, um, it, you know, it, we talked about these Shahid drones, but you've got. I mean, I'm looking at a stat right here. It's, it's a BBC article talking about types of drones being used in Ukraine. And one of them is a DJI Mavic 3, which can fly 
up to 19,000 feet high, uh, up to 18 miles at 42 and a half miles an hour with an 11-inch wingspan. Hmm. 11 inch. 11 inch. So less than a foot. What if you expand that to 20 inches and you just attach one pound of C4 that's designed to explode on impact, right? With like a pressure detonator or something. Do you think that there's any any air defense system that can pick up something with a 20-inch wingspan at 19,000 feet? I would assume not. Now, the only one that I know that I've read on the Internet, uh, but uh, the Israelis seem to have a uh, one of the best air defense systems, do they not? Am I mistaken? They have, a, they have the Iron Dome system, which was designed to shoot down like mortars and rockets. Mm-hmm. It, it might be effective against something like this. I don't know. But, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a math dude, but, I mean, uh, let's try to get a, a calculation for us. Yeah, I'm just trying to do. So, and. I want to see what the speed would be at impact. Um, if I can get this thing to do this. Well, you're doing that. Um, I'm trying to figure the, out. The math. Trying to figure out if a pound of C4 can destroy a house. Like, what is the destruction size of a pound of C4? Um, Right. I'm I'm just going to do... I really don't want to type pound of C4 into Google right now because I'm afraid the government will show up. The splat calculator, that sounds like something. Um, So falling from 50 meters is the equivalent of getting hit by a car going 70 miles an hour. Okay. So when you calculate a three kilogram object, which is about 12 pounds falling from 6,000 meters, which is about 20,000 feet, the speed of impact is um, 342.93 meters per second. So um, I should really know. Or 1,234 kilometers per hour, which is going to carry you up to about 300 miles an hour. Okay. I should, I should know metric better, but, uh, so it's uh, 35 seconds for something to fall from 20,000 feet. You'll be traveling roughly 300 miles an hour when it hit the ground and just a five pound object with no explosives at all would have 176,000 joules of energy at impact. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what that tells you is a rock would basically split you in half. Yeah. Um, and these things have explosives. And like you said, uh, I can't remember if it was on the second part or our first part. You mentioned how much these things cost to make, which will be at least but a my third. My point is like, it's just, you know, if you take just the example that we talk about, the, the, the Shahid 136, is we know it's a little bit bigger, but I'm just talking about if you just take – this this DJI Mavic. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, this, I this, this, and you take this that you can buy for a couple hundred bucks at a Best Buy. Right. Okay. You know, and, and, and so they're selling them for three hundred dollars in the Best Buy. So that means it probably cost them thirty to manufacture. Again, what could a billionaire who creates on assembly line manufacture them for pennies? If you just attach to. Just modify that, like I said, to get a couple of pounds of C4 on it, have it fly over the target, program it to GPS to a spot, and have it just dive. Yeah. 
And and I mean, just this little drone that costs a couple hundred pounds is going to hit the ground going 300 miles an hour with an explosion that's, that's, you know, big enough to destroy a car, probably. And that is unbelievably terrifying, you know, and we're running up on, we've, we've got a little under 10 minutes left. This one may go 35 minutes, but uh, yeah, I'm going to let it, um, because I do want to hit on, um, um, like, I don't know a, a smart way to say it, like robot soldiers, or, you know, we're talking about things from the air right now, but what about things from the ground? Oh, that's, that's your favorite one. You know, uh, we talked about this as, uh, you, you know, um, Boston Dynamics with DARPA. Um, <laughs> right now, you know, we talked about this uh, this robot dog that's, that we showed this video. It was the first time we talked about this. We had this Russian thing that was supposed to mimic the little robot dog we've seen from Boston Scientific uh, that, you know, spot the robot dog that, that and they're saying, oh, we're not going to weaponize this shit. But every military everywhere is like duct taping machine guns to this thing, right? Yeah. So we had the Russian one. And 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 so then Boston Scientific says, oh, we'll never do that. And people are like, the, the fuck you will. It's going to happen. It's like, it's just, it's just, just going to happen. That's right. You know, the, I mean, the Boston Scientific dog, I mean, it's just to give you some example, um, you know, I think that that thing's costing less than a hundred thousand dollars now. And, and then, you know, we also talked about the video with the robots that start out originally, they could do not a damn thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, now they're like doing parkour and full ballet routines and shit and, and stuff like that. Um, and literally, uh, Oh, 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 Spot the Boston Dynamics robot dog now cost a tad under $75,000. Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, so the same calculation there. Uh, if you, you want to create a land army, well, you know, of robot dogs with machine guns, um, you know, if you divide that billion dollars by 75,000, uh, that's 13,000 robot dogs with machine guns. Great. Great. <laughs> And and, and, and and as we said, you know, the Boston Scientific Robots, um, you know, they, 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 the whole now they can dance and do parkour and now they can climb into your bedroom and choke the shit out of you in your sleep. Uh, you know, we're only one step away from that. Um, and, and so, you know, these Boston Dynamics Robots are, you know, how much do they cost? And, um, you know. Um, well, if you were someone uh, with the resources of Elon Musk, per se, um, how much well, does he's it cost? already making his own humanoid robots, right? Yeah. So, do you, uh, we're do you not think, that far away. Do you think he is malevolent as a human being, Elon Musk? Do I think he's malevolent? I have no fucking idea. I know what I'm terrified that someone has enough money to fuck around yeah, for a right. couple of billion dollars and build something like this just in case somebody decides he is malevolent, right? right. Um, so, you know, that's the part that you scratch your head over. It's like, how, you know, uh, I mean, how the hell is this going to go down? Because, um, you know, uh, 
I ask that because he he does look like a supervillain. He looks like yes, a bad he guy. Yeah, kind of start to look like uh, you know, and not the comedic kind. No, right? I mean, no, he has a very Lex Luthor uh, feel, uh, like a twenty twenty two Lex Luthor type vibe about him. Now, I don't have a. I, I know what you're saying, and I did the argument is that that much power can't be that concentrated, which is almost a states' rights argument in in itself. Uh, right, and and so Atlas is what they call this uh, uh, this new robot, uh, humanoid robot, and um, you know this thing is uh, super fucking scary and of its own, and of its own uh, self. Uh, that's the one that started out couldn't walk, and now it's doing parkour. And uh, you know, originally it was like, oh, we will use these things for you know, going into Fukushima and cutting off the radiation, uh, you know, flow or what the fuck ever. But, um, you know, when you start talking about, um, you know, this Atlas, they don't even have a price on this thing. But let, let's just assume that even if it cost a million dollars, I mean, you know, uh, just to give you the math right quick on that, I mean, even if you define that by a million um, we were looking at something like this. it's a thousand, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a thousand. So you're talking about someone that's, that wants to have, you know, um, 10 billion gets them 10,000 robot soldiers. Yeah, and he's got 219 billion to play with. Right, and, it's, and as we've talked about repeatedly, um, how many of those people... You know, see, here's the thing. In the 30s, when FDR was talking about the giant contest between corporations and governments to can only be one master and one person in control, these are the exact fucking things people were worried about, right? Corporations, in effect, being more powerful than the government. Hmm. Well, you know, um, what happens when you decide you want to sue Tesla for antitrust and Elon rolls out his secret army of droid fucking soldiers and says, yeah, come get some. Come get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and so, I mean, you know, and he, he launches 10 million fucking drones from his secret fucking drone warehouse and outside of Austin, Texas. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is the fucking problem that people don't seem to understand. It's like when you don't have a clear delineation there. And, I mean, one person can decide they just don't like the way things are and fuck everyone, right? Yeah. And and it's it's not that hard. And when you reach a point where war can be fought without people actually dying and quote unquote soldiers dying, but you can kill an entire population without losing a single soldier. Um, <laughs> well, that's kind of what we did with the nuclear bomb too. Uh, right. And I mean, that's my point is like, we're not even talking about those types of, we're just talking about, I mean, do you think that these fucking banana republics could withstand a thousand robot soldiers and five thousand drones overhead. No, no. And most of those people don't have enough military discipline to survive fifteen dudes with AK forty sevens that are really pissed off. You know, uh you that's a great point, and we will have to wrap here in a second, but I have one more question after I 
um, may, so if, if, if someone like Elon Musk or uh, Jeff Bezos were to try to do anything, that's pro that would probably be their first target, like a banana republic, that, because they could put it under the guise of it's for the greater good. We're gonna, I'm going to take this country. That's probably what they would do. Oh, it's a peacekeeping force. Right. Well, yeah. It's that's a peacekeeping would, force. That's right? how it would be sold. Yeah. Peacekeepers. If I was their marketer, that's how I'd tell them to sell it. Not that of I course. would be. Not that I would be for not a lot. Well, I mean, okay, I have a price. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's, that, that, that would be so just seeing this play out in my head, you would take like a South American countries or someplace in just chaos. Anywhere in sub-Saharan Africa. Right. And it's like, I'm just going to send this in to just kind of, kind of clean this up real quick. And then the Yemen, Yemen. Yeah. Afghanistan, Afghanistan. My God. Um, fuck there there's places i mean think about afghanistan we we would we never had to spend a dollar putting a physical base on the ground we literally could have just kept drones overhead and and, and tell them to behave and, yeah and just like <laughs> please stick your fucking nose out of a cave yeah. right yeah and so stay in your fucking rat holes or stick your nose out and we'll kill you. Big difference. And we never had to have a soldier die. We never had a soldier get blown up. We never had yeah. to buy a warlord. We never had to spend enough money to, to repave every road to America 10 times or build 10 times the amount of highway mileage. Nothing. And then fail and leave at the, uh, leave and fail at the whole endeavor anyway. Um, yeah. And, and to think that that war was in 2001, which I mean, that's, uh, that's well, the 20 in the 20 years, that's to give you a good timeline in the 20 years between nine 11 and when we left Afghanistan, uh, drones went from devices that were out there more or less simply for surveillance to having the ability to win a war for a country with a quote-unquote inferior military um, just by the use of technology. Yeah. What, what will uh, another 20 years do? All right. Well, we hit the, <laughs> we hit the time limit there. Uh, my last Always question. Always on a bright note. <laughs> oh, too. man. Harbingers <laughs> of good news, you and I are, laugh. Um, yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, now we're going to change it from unfuck to fuck. I don't know. I mean. Or just fuck, ex exclamation point, like with both of us with our hands up going, fuck, I don't know. Um, the, the, uh, the last question, and I'm, I'm going to make this run long, but I'll try and get creative in editing, but, uh, and it's a complicated one, but uh, let, let, can you contrast the advent of artificial intelligence with the advent of nuclear weapons, and which do you think is more damaging or helpful, perhaps, long-term to humanity? Um, want to do a third episode today? Yeah, we, we uh, might have to. I know. Just, there's a there is a there's a there is a very substantial conversation to be had about um, whether or not the people who are in these arenas are willing to bake into the coding 
something along the lines of Asimov's three laws, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for people who don't know Asimov's three laws, they basically are, you know, n- never harm a human unless it's to save other humans um, and, and, you know, sacrifice yourself to save a human. You know, other things, in other words, things that would control the moral compass of the programming and artificial intelligence that would always be toward preservation and, and protection and advancing of human life, right? Right. Um, so without some more or less global pact to create these weapons with that logic. Um, they will invariably become weapons of destruction. Yeah, that makes sense. And maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that's, uh, it, it would be fun to do a future episode on, um, uh, weapons of mass destruction, which AI most certainly, um, can be, has been, uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, that might be a fun rabbit hole to go down. What would you think about doing that next time? Absolutely. Oh, the more the merrier, which is, I'm sure we can turn that to another uh, uplifting, <laughs> exhilarating advancement of our human condition. You know, I think people listen to this as they go to sleep just to be really comfortable. That's what I'd like to think. Um, yes, yes. They, 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 they listen to this while they look at their images of puppies and kittens. Well, and we're happy to be here. Um, all right. We have uh, run up against it and laugh has to get on a plane later today. So we're going to uh, end production here today. Uh, Reach still going really well. Uh, Brussels still tuning in. We love you, Brussels. Um, don't know who you are. Also, someone on the um, Oregon-Washington border seems to be. Oh my God! All right, it, I just. It's near the Boardman bombing range. <laughs> That's got to be government. Is the government listening to us? Okay, I'm going to get paranoid. As long as we don't come up with Fort Meade, Maryland, as a constant listener, I'm okay. Uh, no, I don't think. Uh, uh, nothing in Maryland yet. So we just want to avoid Maryland altogether. Um, especially that part where Fort Meade's at. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get a knock at your door. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right. Laugh. Well, always pleasure, sir. Um, and have a safe flight, uh, later today and we'll be back at it next week. No doubt. No doubt. Always a pleasure and always glad to be able to lift our listener spirits. So. No, it's just like Christmas every, every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's what pisses you off about him, right? <laughs>